0: speaking the truth to the state capitol this is drive time lincoln with the commander jack riggins on the voice of lincoln 1499 3 klin
1: all right folks monday january 23rd i am your host jack riggins always trying to restore american values bring a little common sense to the capital city. Johnny Cadillac's executive producing the show. I want to thank Doug Fitzgerald for stepping in last week and really having a bang up lineup uh, all week. Uh, really uh, enjoyed his show Friday on um, fentanyl and its dangers and having um, special agent in to talk about that. I think that that's something that should be on every American's mind, and specifically Nebraskan's mind, because it's a killer, folks, and we're not talking about, uh, you know, marijuana. We're not talking about the occasional beer. Uh, we're talking about levels of fentanyl right in this state um, that literally could eradicate the state, um, and that's sad. And there's a lot of reasons for it. I'm sure we'll have plenty of other shows to go through it, but uh, kudos to Doug. Doug, thanks for great uh, fill-ins last week and and that show to educate the community uh breaking news so to speak out of washington find it very interesting some of you on the conspiracy theory side will love it others of you won't know what to think of it but really interesting that a former fbi agent uh in charge of the russian collusion um case against former president trump has he now he himself been arrested for colluding with the russians i'm paraphrasing there a little bit it's obviously more nuanced and detailed but i mean i just as a former service member i i can't even go to where some of these things are leading in america whether it be classified documents whoever lost them or misplaced them or whatever to you know sworn fbi agents being charged with collusion it just i i mean folks the the amount of energy or decisions to do these things are so not part of our system, whether it be the justice system, the military, the elected officials, it's almost unthinkable. It really is. As somebody that worked in those sectors and worked and classified my whole Every one of us that's done that doesn't even understand how this can be and uh, what it seems like on such a mass scale. Anyway, Eric Underwood, chairman of the Nebraska grand old party or the Republican party is in studio today. We're going to have a good chat with him. He's got a lot of uh, stuff coming up with a big RNC convention, which is getting a lot of press around the nation. Um They just finished up um, a meeting of the minds, I like to call it, uh, this weekend, as well as a lot of other stuff. And, you know, there's some interesting news that came out of there that I think a lot of news outlets are going to follow up on. And, of course, the legislative session is in. So, Eric, welcome back to Drive Time Lincoln. Thanks, Jack. It's appreciated. You know, I do have to ask. um, I don't know. Has it been about six, seven months you've been doing this?
2: Well, July 9th, let's be honest.
1: Okay, July 9th had a midterm uh got through that there's been a lot of political changes um in the republican party new senator today let's give a shout out to pete ricketts officially being sworn in
2: yep called him and congratulated him text messaged him congratulated him last week so yeah
1: i gave him a go get him pete um and i and i'm happy to see that i you know i have my questions i've aired them before on on what goes on in the party and things like that but in the end of the day I'm glad that we have a, a senator to fill Senator Sass and, you know, will be uh, a conservative fighter and uh, I think he'll do a good job. But how has your first seven, eight months been, you know, through that compressed timeline?
2: Well, you know, we've always talked about having relationships being built, and this was kind of the the unique opportunity, not only through the elections that were out there, so you already have elected officials that were looking for, uh, you know, to be re-elected. All the new candidates are out there, and you're talking so many different tiers from governor on down to have them elected, and that's what's so unique in Nebraska, is that we have this every two-year status of, of different set of elected officials coming forth, legislation to the the half of UNL regents and all that. So you're making these relationship opportunities happen, and I'm very fortunate. with the amount of staff that's around me that that we can go to as many meetings as possible to have the elected officials uh, just to start to get on the same page and have that, that conversation. But on the flip side of it, we're 93 counties and our goal has to be this growth that happens at the local level. And so we've spent quite a bit of time, not only going out to individual counties for their county meetings or there's 18 county barbecues and five county, you know, fairs and stuff like that. So we've spent a lot of time over this last seven months to, to the driving and windshield time to go connect to the people one on one. I've always believed in that. If you create the relationship and you do it through a handshake, do it over a cup of coffee or something like that, you have a better opportunity to hear what somebody, and to listen to what are the challenges. And this is what we found out as a party. The organizational structure, both internally from the state and how its governance works, let alone the leadership levels, it needed to have a a greater education to it. We have a governance component of our conventions that occur, that's the 400 individuals, and you have your SEC meetings, the central committee that occurred Mm -hmm. just this week, about 166 people, and you have an executive committee. But, you know, when you look at your county level there, you've got 93 individual franchises that might need something. Some of them are operating with a a, a great streamlined to them, and others of them don't even have their constitutions. And so then you start to look at how can they facilitate the governance component that should be happening at their county level, let alone just having a meeting that produces some sort of engagement. And so that's what this last seven months has been about, is increasing the engagement at the local level because that's where the foundations start. And you have to hone that in on basically your your documents that people can all resonate with. A constitution that doesn't have to be perfect across every single one. They don't have to be exactly the same. But the counties have to have a constitution, and the state has to follow its constitution. And we have to have our values in line, the platform. You have to have that as something that's a guiding document because people can now say I stand for this I have the words to use when somebody asks me what makes you a republican and when any issue comes up whether it's a legislative bill whether it's what's going on at the school board whether it's a city council taxation whatever it is you can have a conversation that comes through your values
1: you know and I don't mean to dumb this down audience Because I'm seriously telling you that I've learned this as well. I've said a lot of times on this show that my goal is to get us all more educated on our political system, get us all more interested in participating, or at minimum, educated voters. And you have to realize, um, when Eric says the Constitution, and I had to ask this question a couple years back, he's not talking about the Constitution of the United States, right? We have the Constitution of the United States. The state has a constitution. And in the Republican Party, there is a constitution that essentially is built by the elected representatives. Um, So it mirrors our U.S. constitution and our state constitution in that format. And then it can be updated and amended as we go along. And so, you know, when he says that, he's talking about the Nebraska NEGOP constitution and therefore each county as its individual. County or franchise. Great Mm -hmm. word. um, Can and should have the ability to do that. Why? Because it puts all conservatives then back to the values and the constitutions of their unique franchises so that we all have the same playbook.
2: Exactly, and you know, in essence, the the states and and a few of the territories are in essence a franchise of the RNC that you mentioned earlier there. So they have rules. Uh, I mean, Nebraska itself has the uh, revised statutes there. This is this is your business plan. This is your business operating manual. There, within that framework, there you can move all things forward. You can deal with your budgets. You can develop your political plans. You can have a legislative plan. But if you don't, if you don't honor the Constitution. Then you can't defend your platform. And so we are working towards helping each county develop their constitution, get a, a governing body that has more influence and at more often times, but also not put it in so out of reach that you have 200 people that are trying to come together every, every two months. And we realize right. that every county is different. We've got calving season. We've got, uh, crop season. You have harvest season. You've got basketball. Some are more in the sports world. All this stuff doesn't make a, a cookie-cutter county out of everybody, but it does give them a foundation. And that's what we've been working on, and that's why we had uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, the Chairman's Retreat, the first annual, first inaugural Chairman's Retreat.
1: Before you go there, I want to hear yep. all about that and the, and the, the goodness there, because I think that's decently new, or at least done differently, but what would you say is one of the most misunderstood things about the movement, right? Because there's been a lot said depending on what side, whether it be Democrats or Republicans, of controversy. I mean, heck, Nebraska's got national exposure um, with you um, and your team being voted in, but what would you say is the most, the biggest misconception of the movement? Is it the grassroots kind of build-up approach that you're doing, or where do you find most Nebraskans misunderstand and what you're building in the NEGOP. Well,
2: I think they what what has been misunderstood the most is in a political organization where the power really lies. The power should always be with the people.
1: Yeah, amen.
2: And if you build it up from the ground up, um, uh, reference not only at the county level and then move yourself at the state party and then, and then honor that constitution that talks about who the governance are. When you have the governance of a central committee and they're the ones that have the conversation amongst themselves... So before before the change out in in, uh, in July, I witnessed three uh, executive meetings and two central committee meetings. The interesting thing that's happened now is normally the folks would come up and talk to a microphone that was pointed so they were talking up to the, the chairman's position, myself's position, in context to whatever was being discussed, resolutions, amendments, something like that. The microphones now, the folks are turning inward, and they talked amongst themselves in an amendment to the Constitution or an amendment to that amendment as they're working through it, if there's a resolution and they want to work through the components of it, of why they like it or don't like it, all within the framework of the governance time, 10 minutes to speak, all that. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is this transition that the governing body, which is not easy for 150 plus people to come together and have a conversation because it takes that much space. Right. But to have them come together in a component that they can have discussions versus having yelling matches, or that the power is up here with my microphone versus your microphone. And then if I don't agree to your microphone, I'm just going to say, do it my way and you're done, move on type Mm. thing. They turned inward, the microphones allow them to talk to each other, and then you'll see that the process is completed through a voting apparatus, a motion, a second discussion and all that. It's a night and day difference of how they've been operating together. Yeah, so the it's power- interesting.
1: I mean, I think uh, people have gotten re educated, remotivated on what really is the unique American process for the people to. Um, work within their political system. And I I think, you know, from what I hear, what I've seen, um, yeah, there's growing pains in that. Not everybody understands it. It takes time to learn. You know, one of the things I think is just an interesting side note before we get to the chairman's retreat is that when I first started going to political meetings, there's political people that you see on TV. There's elected officials and people that, uh, quote, unquote, you know, are influential. It doesn't always have to be somebody you see on TV or whatever, And I found it really interesting that at political meetings, I saw none of the people that were essentially either elected officials. Now, some of them, but I mean, in mass, I did not see the people that were representing me or were influential in representing me at the meetings. And I was like, isn't this where I'm supposed to go? as a Lincolnite to learn about my district or learn about my county party. And then, you know, eventually the state party. And I have to be honest, I was very disappointed. Like, again, we all have busy days. So if I want to talk about political issues or ideas, that is where I should go. And part of that is that the people that, whether they're like you, they're elected to be a chairman or whether they're an, influential person that's been in and around the politics here um so it's good to see um, but I I think it will take time. It would be my guess to to get 93 counties and people to um, go. Yeah, this is a good way of doing business.
2: Well, and if we create this re- this foundation and this ground up build up, and then the relationships start to happen, is what you will see in this chairman's retreat and this last meeting here. At the chairman's retreat, it, th- retreat through conversations, who is able to get sponsors from Charles W. Herster, Herbster, uh Congressman Bacon, Congressman Flood. At this. The they Club. fed
1: you, didn't they? Congressman Flood and Bacon.
2: Yes, Bacon <laughs> served us bacon. So it was very, <laughs> it was very fun. Um, and, and Charles W. Herster through Conklin Industry, uh, sponsored the rooms as well as the, the, the lodging for, for doing that retreat. Um, in this first SEC meeting back, um, one of our congressional district chairs sponsored the food for that night. Um, but you had Senator Fisher and uh, Congressman Bacon, both there, not put up onto a pedestal, not put up onto a stage so they could talk to everybody amongst the people. Yeah. I had somebody last at the last meeting go to me, uh, I, I saw Congressman Bacon here, but I went outside because I was really curious. Where's all like the black vehicles or the the security guards or whatever? <laughs> I said, to be honest, what we're hoping to do here is that they don't have to have these in that environment they don't want to be that they would like to have conversations with their constituents and so you saw congressman bacon be able to have conversations not just with CD two, CD one CD three individuals that could give him an opportunity just to speak to them at that one-on-one level and I really appreciate both senator Fisher and congressman bacon taking the time in our booster meeting to just meet the people in a completely casual setting
1: Yeah, that's that's actually awesome. I'm guessing that was after the the 15 days of voting or whatever, 15 votes. Yes, this Um, was this last week. He probably took some good questions there. I mean, I don't know Congressman Bacon that well, but he made a couple of comments during that. I think political gamesmanship that I bet a lot of Nebraskans were asking him questions about uh, of having to maybe reach across the aisle. we will, when we come back, we absolutely will get to the, uh, chairman's, uh, retreat. I'm looking forward to hearing about that and, and growing the party. Uh, I will say this, you probably also, you went to the governor's ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to give a shout out to Jim Pillin when we're talking about feeding people as he produced all the pork for the governor's ball, which I think is so cool and so fitting. And so it's nice to see the totality of Republicans, uh, from different, obviously, thought trains on things, participating in the party. Um, And I would agree with you. I would suspect when the governor gets his feet under him, because that probably takes a couple of months, um, he'll make himself accessible because he is a very down-to-earth Nebraskan guy, you know. Um, So we'll be back on with Eric Underwood from the Nebraska Republican Party here on Drive Time Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
0: You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggin's on 1400 at 993 KLIN.
1: All right folks, Eric Underwood from the Nebraska Republican Party in studio, the chairman, um they've had a lot going on in the last couple of months and uh, continue to move forward uh real quick on this segment. Why don't you introduce the chairman's retreat and kind of that and maybe we'll get into more in the second segment uh, questions.
2: Well, as, as we discussed earlier, just talking about how to help county parties and become a resource for them and, and doing it through a, an apparatus of covering this entire state. It just became one of those things that we, it could take us years to go out and reach every single one of them just purposely and have the conversations there. Um, as well as, so you have these county chairs calling us asking for help. And then I have a resource team here going, Eric, how do we travel all this much? And so it just made sense. I was going to do a, a chairman's retreat. That this first one would help them get Constitution, so we titled it Honor the Constitution, Defend the Platform, and you could start working on the chairs, the vice chairs, the secretaries, and the treasurers to get them the resources so that they felt confident in doing their jobs. And when they're confident in doing their jobs, the governance – because when you think about it, the county chair or state chair, whatever – you have to do all the governance of every meeting correctly or people are going to call you out on it. No Robert's Rules of Order.
1: Hey, you can't be a constitutional rules
2: guy and screw it up yourself. Exactly. And so then you've got to make your connections to the elected officials. You've got to run volunteers. You've got to get candidates. This this metric that becomes can become overwhelming. So I wanted to create a resource app opportunity for them. And so this year it was to focus on the county chairs, vice chairs, treasurers, and secretaries to give them some resources and show them uh, if they had any questions to give them a booklet. And now all the counties want that booklet next year lord willing that i'm still in the same position there then it'll be a focus on how you sign up delegates how we run our county conventions as well as getting the candidate recruitment at those local levels which in early january you still have plenty of time to give a good start to a candidate that's running in those local school boards or their city councils or the nrds and so that's where the 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 premise came from
1: I like it. I mean, it's it's ground up. You're educating. Make sure everybody's on the same page. I mean, it takes time, but it makes for a stronger conservative party. And uh, we'll keep on going here. 1,499.3
0: KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln. ninety nine three KLIN. All
1: right, folks. Monday, second segment here on Drive Time Lincoln. Happy to be here. I always enjoy uh, doing the radio show. Appreciate all the listeners. Eric Underwood in studio from the Nebraska Republican Party. Thanks again, Eric, for coming in. Of
2: course, Jack. It's my pleasure.
1: Um, We were talking and we'll get back to the the retreat and kind of building it from the ground up in education, which I I think that everybody should know. There's a lot of new people across the nation involved in politics now. And that's a good thing, folks. Um, But at the same time, it, it. takes education, and there are people that have been in it a while, and they know the kind of left and rights and everything. Um, and then there's a lot of people that are learning it for the first time. And I don't think that's bad. I, I think that's probably a lot like the country was when it was first forming up. And, and to be honest, our uh, forefathers designed it that way. Uh, when we get farther away from that, things can go astray. Um, you had it, the SEC meeting this weekend? Was that what it was? Yep,
2: yep. Central Committee meeting required to have three a year.
1: Okay, you have three years, year. So it was let out on media, and we're going to follow up, but i got to ask you. It was let out on social media, like a lot of things are. Hmm. Um, and uh, people may remember about the investigation that was ongoing. And can you tell us in the process of, of the NAGOP, um, it, it sounded to me like, um, your investigator was just briefing the SEC as you. I think you've already done so. It's kind of like follow up.
2: Well, and that's really what this was intended to be: is that there needed to be an update to the governing body that that I I facilitate that I that I'm held accountable to. And in the end, whatever information is is out there, I'm. My integrity is on the line, whether it's held back or, or presented in whatever fashion. The last time that we would have had this governance together would have been August 20th. So let's do the timeline of what any information or anything that would have been done, let alone the fact where we were at as far as understanding what's in the office, getting our feet wet and getting things going. Well,
1: and you have the midterms coming up. And so as, a, and as I recall, so an, basically you're saying it's just a normal part of briefing the governing body that you're responsible to and, and that they knew was coming.
2: Uh, yeah, it was on the agenda items that it would be an update from, from the individual from, from Colonel Nesbitt who I'd asked at the very beginning to do an investigation at least into the internal structure that was, was somehow uh, compromised. Let's put it gotcha. that way. So when that occurred and then also looking at the potential for, potential for crime whom else do I get involved? If I keep it all internal investigation there, there's so many other nuances that come out. Then it's me trying to do something. It's me trying to make the work happen there. So with LPD being brought into it there that happened within the first week from there, the process really was on their timeline. Sure. And they make a report and you know, what I've been trying to do that doesn't require really much doesn't require any cost to the the party was to get that report because I can't pre- present to a governing body any other information that they can make a decision on without a report from mm. that LPD officer or from that investigator. And that's honestly where we're at in the process. And that's what yeah, this think, was an update for.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what was stuck out to me and what a lot of my listeners have text or emailed me about was – um, the fact that you haven't got that report and so much time has gone on, and 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 that's factual, right? You have not received an investigative report from LPD. No, no, um, it was
2: a mixture of still having to file for the the procedure and then getting uh an getting it to the the document, and then it was sealed. And then what this uh, what people understand now is that in early February there'll be a quashing of our request, okay. and so that's what that proceeding is about, is to to not allow that quashing, so we can get it.
1: Yeah, I think as a, a media outlet, and there'll be a lot of other media outlets as well, because that information came out um, doing FOIAs to see as well. Because listen, people want to know; uh, it's newsworthy just to know what the investigation is. We'll see where it goes, but my guess is is that many media outlets will be asking for it as well. And and it does seem—I'll be honest—it seems a little strange to me that, um, in the normal course, although I'm not a legal expert, um, that. You know, you don't have that report, and I hope you get it.
2: Well, you have that right to get it. I would think that it would be public knowledge, but you have that right to get it. So does any other media outlet. But my job was to prepare this information for the, for the governance bodies that yeah. I, that I am held accountable to. And my integrity is on the line in this. There, there's, there's not much of a, a wiggle room in how to proceed moving forward once there became an LPD investigation involved there. Sure.
1: Well, I think the governing body, obviously, to your point, I mean, they want to know, they're aware of this. And I think, uh, frankly, a lot of Republicans around the state would like to, know um just what's in there so you know it is what it is yeah, i think you guys have uh maneuvered and the party itself has had a lot of success um with the midterms and everything like that and you just keep moving on um but i do like i said i do think more people are kind of eyes open based on some of that information that came out um so the retreat you're putting people together you're educating um you're getting kind of the plan Out there, but at the same time, you have legislature going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, by all accounts, um, as a Republican team, right, the Republican Party and the elected officials down in state legislature. Um, there's been a lot of good things happening down there. I mean, are you pretty satisfied with, from the midterms and, you know, the movement of Republicans, you know, Mike Flood going to Congress, now Senator Ricketts, Governor Pillen, you know, getting in there. And as the team comes together, now the senators have returned, you know, the progress that's being made on the conservative front?
2: Well, I think the best progress that's being made is that there's a a – value-based communication that's happening versus a personality-driven apparatus. Um, our political director, Todd Watson, always says that personality divides and values unite. So when you look at what you say you're going to do when you're campaigning or what you say you're going to, uh, how you're going to operate, if you're in an elected position, say, whether it's a county clerk, assessor, or whatever, you campaign on a certain structure that you say you're going to do. And it's usually values based is what you, I'm going to do this. And I think for, for what we're seeing now is that a unified front has been a challenge in the past. It doesn't matter anymore why. But at this point, what you're seeing now is that the, the conservative Republicans are coming together and saying we have, uh, an overarching, uh, platform worth of values that we're going to push through through legislation and even more so you have a governor that will support it and so you're sitting there with this conversation that clearly is happening there the flip side of it is that to do that, to feel confident this is the way to move forward. Your constituents have to be involved. They have to be engaged. We're terming it the second house, which is actually part of what the legislator, the unit, the unicameral says, that, that this is through it's, the second house. It
1: is supposed to be through the second house, and I will say, I mean, the audience has heard me say it before. I, I'm pretty divided on whether we should be, uh, you know, bicameral, kind of like the way it is, partisan. I, and listen, folks, I will always tell you, politics, when you mention that word to me, I say it's partisan. But I will say this. If the second house does stand up and represent on either side like it should by design well then maybe the unicameral system works really well i mean it's just i think maybe from my optic conservatives have kind of been sleepy for a while
2: well, I, 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 there's a complacency that can happen in this state when you have a lot of the elected positions that are at the higher tiers above the legislative positions that are, that are Republican. You have your four state races. You have your five, although, you know, Congressman Bacon has always had a fight, but he's won through. You have your five federal races. You have the governor's position. And then obviously the lieutenant governor's position that goes with that. So we've had all of these, these conservative models there from the LD on up, with roughly 30-ish LD, uh, legislative district representatives at the United caramel but it's below that that really as as far as the republicans need to understand that we aren't and that's when you have to ask yourself where does the true influence in your daily life where does the true influence on your on your safety and security or your taxation or your school boards or your uh energy independence where does that really lie
1: well let me let me interrupt because here, here's the thing listen we have those five on the republicans you know or whatever they're up in dc i am telling you folks listen Those great votes that they all do in conservative, defending conservative principles, that didn't stop me from wearing a mask extra long in Lincoln, Nebraska. It doesn't do a dang thing for crime rates in my city. It doesn't do a dang thing for my local school board. And I've been talking about it for years. I'm going to keep talking about it, which is it's like Cornhusker football right now. Matt Rule, if you're listening, I think, I think you're starting off great and you're going to do a great job, but it's like saying, well, we did the sellout again and the team loses and the team loses and the team loses, but boy, we got the sellout again. Well, listen, it's nice to have those positions, but the lo- the local impact on our daily lives is exactly that it's local and the numbers aren't good, are they?
2: No, that's that's the key that that I really presented to this this uh, at the SEC meeting and at the chairman's retreat is going. If you want to have this change at your local level, you need to understand where this is really happening. So it is true that there's over 900 elected uh, Democrats across the state. Now, obviously, there's going to be good individuals in all these. That's not the component to it. The question is where do their values land?
1: Yeah, where are their values and what do they champion for?
2: Exactly. So when you start to look at say say city council, city and count, county officials there. Uh, I think everybody just got an assessed value that occurred here recently of their property, and that's been a, a definitely a, a sharp contrast to what they were used to.
1: Let me guess: Democrats probably are in the biggest, like, land masses for assessors.
2: Between landmass and the highest two counties here, Douglas and Lancaster County, you have Democrats that are your 12 assessors there, your 21 21 clerks. So you're sitting there. If you want to go in and contest your property values, you're going to go in front of the clerks to do that. Public power boards, natural resource districts, 41 NRDs and 35 public power boards are held by Democrats there. Your community college boards, almost all the major ones are completely controlled there. Now, what does that do necessarily? Well, they're also a taxation entity as well. So go to your property tax list and you got 15 different items there. When you look at your city and city council boards and county boards, 405 are going to be Democrats and your school boards, 250 plus I stopped counting because it became mute at that point to to even look at how many is out there, as well as, as you've already indicated, mayors, 16 mayors and and our wonderful mayor here that has a a different value structure than I believe that you and I as as conservatives would have. And so that's why there's. I think it's a really good opportunity here this year that if we do this correctly and build from the ground up, we're actually going to start becoming a bigger state. We've requested help to come into Lincoln here during this election cycle we're in to be part of our neighborhood captain programs and learn how to be neighborhood captains back in their counties. Well, they can come practice how to go door to door here and how to have conversations about your values.
1: Uh, you're doing a little of the Democratic playbook there, but I like it, which is to get troopers and support into the places you need it and then learn and take it back to where you're living. Right. And that's what good teamwork is you know that's the thing that i think nebraskans have been missing is that we do as conservatives have the big positions and that's great we want to keep those but it's kind of folks like having the castle right but you don't have the wall in the moat around it and the democrats have specifically targeted this over years And this is why you're frustrated with your school boards. This is why you're frustrated with some of the woke, far-left liberal agenda, because they're just marching right up to your tall castle. And where conservatives can make the most ground is in this area.
2: Well, and this is an opportunity that will present itself in this next two years to do everything that would need to happen. First of all, you have time to assemble. You have time to get organized, and you have the time to build the relationships so that your volunteers, which is not an easy thing to do because our lives are busy, and we volunteer in so many other ways at our church, at our schools. You know, my wife is at Parfum Christian today to to be in the concession stand. So you you do all this volunteer work, and one more meeting, and one more county uh, party event is just another thing on your schedule there. So it takes a while to create the confidence that if I continue to go to this, it's going to reap some sort of result. Secondly, you have to at some point, and this is the biggest challenge in our party at some point everybody has to make a choice that if you're a republican and you are driven to with your values not by your personalities then you have Value then you are an asset to the party and that means whether you have institutional knowledge of 30 years or you have the fire and the drive of 30 days and Somewhere this party is going to have to look at each other and go. You know what? I value whatever you're bringing right now Let's talk across the table even if we've been disagreeing on who should be in charge even if we are disagreeing on on the apparatus That should be in charge to do this you have value because you've been doing this in a while I'd like to help and then the institutional person goes, you have value because you're bringing fresh energy to this. And then next year, when you look at 2024, at least for Nebraska specifically, the presidential election will always be the highest turnout of voters. That's what we need, turnout of voters there. And you already have the highest amount of voters. We already have 52% of the population is, is Republicans there. But you have five federal races. That means all your districts and a statewide concept is going to happen naturally. This should bring forth the highest amount of voter turnout engagement that has ever happened. And the question the Republican Party has to ask, ask itself, have I spent two years building the relationship with the, the voters that are going to be voting and giving them the resources such as slate cards at any of our local level that they feel confident to go vote? or we're just going to hope that they go vote for president and pick their five federal races. It'll take work at the county level and the local level, and they have to put that effort towards it.
1: Well, I think, I'll tell you, I wasn't always uh, a believer in in the, like, the largeness of what I'm going to call, because I don't know what else to call um, movements of people getting into politics. So I just call it the Freedom Caucus because it came out kind of during that uh, McCarthy thing. I don't know that that's accurate, but what I do know is that it's larger than everybody knows. It's nationwide, and there are a lot of people, which is a good thing interested in politics and participating and helping and they just need to take that step forward Um, because uh, this is a good thing in restoring American values as our forefathers wanted and it's a good thing that you do it by the constitution that's really important because values people can unite around right personalities Mm -hmm. we all have them Um, we go there you know speaking of I like to say big time because uh, and I have to say don't forget Lincoln we also have some important races coming up this year inside Lincoln. Mm -hmm. So, not just 2024. The mayor's
2: race, four city councils, and three school board races.
1: We need all hands on deck here in Lincoln, Nebraska. But um, the RNC, I've been hard on them at times, based on some information that came out last couple months. We actually had Harmie Dillon on the show, which was wonderful for a show like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and she's fighting to take over the RNC chair. I didn't realize that it gets that crazy. Um, But... You will be going to the RNC. You've been to some meetings before, uh, meeting with national-level counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess talk about that a little bit, but explain the uniqueness of what you did as one of three voting members in the Nebraska delegation, because I think it's just so true America.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Jack. Um, you know, like I said, we are technically the state and a few territories are the franchise of the RNC level. So there's 168 members, three from each of those components that will come out there. So there's going to be three from all of them that would be this, the chairman or the territory chairman, a national committee woman, and a national committee man. The national committee woman and committee man are voted every four years during the presidential cycles, and the chairman for most entities are voted in the two-year cycles. Some are happening now. Mine will happen in March. Some happen at the tail end of, of 2022 there so we go and we become a, a governing body just like this sec meeting happened here we become a governing body and we do all sorts of stuff planning the rules planning whatever at this next meeting there will be uh many elections that will occur not only for the chairman vice chair multiple other tiers as well as regional elections but the rnc chair became very uh, uh high profile
1: hugely high profile it's never like been everywhere like everywhere right now
2: Never been like this before. And there's
1: so many different people from all different types of backgrounds, from very popular to very, like... Putting in their opinions, and up, so yours included.
2: It, and so it was unique to have that that this this amount of individuals that are there. They when they go and they vote to it, they might have six or seven individuals that are at that opportunity. They don't have to come from the 168. It could be any random person out there. And so you have those individuals out there. You have Ronald McDaniel, who's not technically a part of the the. She's the chairman now. Um, she's not one of the 168. You had Mike Lindell that's put his hat in the ring there. You have Harmeet Dillon, who is an, uh, an RNC member. They've put their name in in the hat to run there. So it was interesting because as they started to make these announcements, there was a lot of what we're seeing here in Nebraska where there was the conversations and some of it was getting a little ugly. There came a point where I just said, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with this as far as how it's going to lay out over the next six weeks, the emails and the phone calls. Because people
1: were basically like, how are you going to vote? How are you going to vote?
2: Over and over again. What's Nebraska going to do? So I decided to put my chairman's vote, my vote, up to the SEC and let them choose to vote. If I'm really going to represent the people from that perspective, the SEC was the next governing body that just happened to have a meeting this weekend, so it worked out well, and I let them vote on who I would vote for for chair. And it ended up being that Harmeet won, got 61 votes and uh, uh, Ronna McDaniel got 42, Mike Lindell got 11. And then I called both of them. Because they both knew I was going to do it. And I called both of them, and I said, regardless of whatever happens here, understand that my goal here is to continue the relationships at the RNC level and be the best chairman for Nebraska. And they were wonderful conversations that I've had now, and I had even before this, because that's my job. That's how I become a better chairman for Nebraska, is to build these relationships. An elected
1: chairman who basically just demonstrated elected representative
2: I am. I'm people. elected by them to represent them, and in this capacity, I have a vote. I have the other votes as well, but this one was of highest importance to the people and so I let them have the choice. So
1: you will be voting for Harmy dylan I will. For the SEC. Um good on you I mean there's gonna be people that don't like that. There always is but the reality is is that's the system and that's the way to do it. I oftentimes have said I always have these if I was king for a day. Um <laughs> I, I wish every vote in America could be put to the people. I really do. I wish everything in Congress they could turn around and say, hey, hold on, you know, I've got to get my constituents to tell me because you mean when that, it
2: comes to 1.7 trillion dollar yeah, ominous bills, you'd th- like it. No,
1: I really do because it would be like you're just carrying the vote to Washington. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Old school, like take it on a horse and go. Here's how the people of my district or my state vote, and boy, I think we'd be sometimes in a better spot. But you did it, and uh, appreciate you coming in. We'll have a couple more minutes with Eric Underwood from the NEGOP. Maybe some parting shots on uh, what you expect at the RNC or. You know, what's going to go on in the state of Nebraska as we move forward? 1499.3
0: KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN.
1: Eric Underwood, chairman of the Nebraska Republican Party. Some party shots to your constituents, meaning the the party people, people like me.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, Jack, What from the ground-up formation that's happening here, you're seeing a lot of people come back to the party, okay? But here's the thing. We also know that this state has, has a good third of it that's also independence. And so what they also need to understand is that if you believe in honoring the Constitution and if you believe in a value system, read the values and join the party that believes in the people.
1: There you go. Uh... Any GOP chairman, Eric Underwood, on on 1400-993-KLIN. We'll see you tomorrow.